Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. He has Parliament Hill on speed dial, and they know when the phone rings, no comment is not an option. This is The Roy Green Show. No two countries do more together than ours to keep their people safe and prosperous. And we want to deepen that cooperation even further to meet the shared challenges we face now and in the years ahead. I would have done it much differently. Uh, I actually told Theresa May how to do it, but she didn't agree with She didn't listen to me. That could be the mantra for Donald Trump. I'm going to be myself. What you heard Theresa May say, the um, Prime Minister of Britain, of the UK, was really uh, by the numbers template speech. Political speech. It means nothing. We're going to cooperate even more than in the past. We're going to get along even better. We're going to do things even more positively. It's the usual stuff, and it means nothing. And then Donald Trump gets up and he doesn't follow that script. He says things the way he feels them. And for some people, that is something they really admire. And for other people, it makes them run around and chase a little balloon. Hi, everybody. It's The Green Show for this weekend on the Chorus Radio Network. So we're going to talk quite a bit about uh, what's been going on internationally with NATO, the UK, the upcoming Summit between the two alpha males, Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin in Helsinki. Frank Gaffney is going to be joining us, the founder of the Center for Security Policy in Washington and the former assistant U.S. Secretary of Defense in the Reagan administration. He'll be joining us later on on the show today. And uh, as far as Brexit is concerned, David Blanchflower was a member of the Monetary Policy Committee of the Bank of England. He's an economics professor at the Ivy League Dartmouth College now, and he's going to be talking to us about Brexit. He's not a fan. He does not believe in Brexit. Uh, Also, Scott Moe, the Premier of Saskatchewan, will talk about Saskatchewan now being joined by not only Ontario, but also PEI, refusing to collect a carbon tax, which Mr. Trudeau wants. And then there's the issue of the immigration squabble that took place yesterday, actually more than a squabble, it was an insult that was issued by the federal immigration minister toward his provincial counterpart, Lisa McLeod of Ontario. Michelle Rempel was there. She'll be uh, talking to us about that. And both Saskatchewan and Ontario refused to sign the final communique from that immigration get-together in Winnipeg. So we'll talk to both the Saskatchewan premier And Michelle Rempel about that as well. She's the immigration and citizenship critic for the Conservative Party of Canada. It's a busy show, busy weekend, lots coming up today. But I heard a lot of discussion about Donald Trump. A lot of discussion about Donald Trump over the last, well, four or five days. Not all of it had to do with NATO. Not all of it had to do with Brexit. Not all of it had to do with the upcoming meetings with Putin. There was the usual analysis 
of the kind of personality occupying the Oval Office in the White House? Is he the kind of person who should be the President of the United States? Now, this has been going on for years. Two years, anyway. Close to two years. But it feels like a lot longer. And you hear things that... I, I hear things said, and I just turn around and walk away because I'm not going to get into a debate. Because it would turn into something that well, nobody would enjoy. So I just turn my back and walk away. Um, but I'm not walking away from this because Dr. Frank Farley... I have a lot of respect for Frank. He's a psychologist, professor at Temple University, the past president of the American Psychological Association. His CV is extremely long. He's one of the most respected psychologists in in North America and beyond. And uh, he's very kind to give us a lot of his time uh, whenever we ask for a psychological assessment of someone or a situation. In this case, it's the president of the United States. Frank, thank you very much for starting us off today. And you were interviewed by... Uh, about Donald Trump by USA Today before he got into politics, I understand. Yes, I was. It was in, as I recall, 1993. And, um, you know, I've never met him, so anything I say is not based upon, you know, personal contact or direct knowledge. It's based upon the kind of knowledge that most of us have, which is via the media. But, um, and, you know... um, We really can't do diagnoses in the formal sense. That wouldn't be fair. I mean, it wouldn't be fair to to Trump, and it wouldn't be fair to you. That's right. But, you know, Roy, I had some thoughts. And I have studied human risk-taking for decades. And um, politics often attracts risk-takers. It's an uncertain job, you know. There's no tenure. There's no guarantee. Uh, you're, you know, you're always running for election, basically, for the next election. And it's not a nine-to-five kind of a life. And so it tends to attract risk-takers. And so I thought for your listeners, uh, maybe I could summarize some of the qualities that we tend to see in big-time risk-takers, and then they can think about those and apply them to uh, Mr. Trump or anybody else in the political Well, that's realm. perfect. Sure. Okay. Well, I'll go through seven or eight uh, quickly uh, uh, qualities. And not all risk takers, big-time risk takers, are the same. You know, they can vary somewhat. But um, one, uh, the first quality I want to mention is they tend to thrive in situations of uncertainty, you know, like politics. Politics is a very uncertain trade. You know, there's campaigning, there's dealing with media, dealing with public criticisms, lots of people. One of the top ten fears um, in people is typically speaking in public. Most people don't like to do it. You've got to do it all the time in politics. Constant change, travel, meeting new people all the time. Very unpredictable. Well, big-time risk-takers thrive in that kind of a venue. So that's number one. Number two, they also thrive on uh, a variety of experience, novelty, change, intensity. Uh, Big-time risk-takers tend to like intense experiences, and they flourish in this. They can thrive in chaos or high uncertainty. Number three, they're often innovative, creative, Uh, I often think of them as change agents. They're the people who want to change the world. Uh, 
And, in fact, they have. I mean, the modern world that we live in is, to a significant extent, due to these creative, innovative risk-takers in our history. Uh, they're often untraditional. Number four, self-confident. They tend to believe they control their destiny. They can prevail. They show independence of judgment. They like to make up their own mind. And they're often optimistic as part of that self-confidence. Number five, they tend to have high energy. Number six, they're often sexually motivated. That is, uh, they're sexy people. I once gave a talk uh, focusing on, are the risk takers the, the sexiest people? Um, John F. Kennedy is an example. He, he was a risk taker, in my opinion. Uh, Bill Clinton was. Um, so there's a kind of sexually, sexual kind of motivation that goes with it for many of them. Uh, number seven is they're often spontaneous. That is, they, they often act before they think instead of think before they act. <laughs> um, and then finally, they tend to be fearless. They tend to show low anxiety. I mean, I've studied risk takers who, you know, I've been to Mount Everest and studied people there where we, we have a known death rate on Mount Everest. It's a dangerous thing to climb Mount Everest. There's over 230 dead bodies up on Mount Everest. Um, but it's not that they view it as fear. They tend to view it as excitement, as a thrill, as a great challenge to, to overcome. So... Uh, risk takers generally tend to be fearless across many different kinds of situations and tend to be uh, low in anxiety. So those are some of the key ingredients. And um, your, your uh, listeners may want to take those ingredients and um, apply them to uh, President Trump. You know, it's fascinating to hear this. It really is, because I'm as you were going through the list of the seven... Um, characteristics of the of the risk takers. I was trying to apply them to various people in the news or people I know personally, and and I, and I can see patterns just in the just in your description of the, the the seven items. I can see patterns in people and sometimes in the professions they take above and beyond the political arena. But wouldn't it make? I don't know if this makes sense. Don't we need? those kinds of people um, as national leaders, whether we agree with them or not, we need risk takers, as you've described them, to get out in front. And for many people who don't have those particular, I don't want to say necessarily qualities, but have, don't, don't have those characteristics, it would, be more, it would be difficult to understand the risk taker. And so, therefore, it might be sort of a, um, uh, a, a, a routine point to, uh, to criticize them because they, they don't, I, they're not like, like most people. Does that make sense? Uh, yes. Yes. I mean, my feeling is particularly in the 21st century because this is going to be a century of incredible change, and it already has been. Yeah. The whole workplace is changing. You know, the digitization of our lives uh, is changing everything. 
and uh, telecommunications. It was all predicted by that great Canadian, uh, Marshall McLuhan, right. um, many years ago that we were going to, the whole world would be changed through telecommunication. So, Frank, is it going to be a case of risk-takers becoming, or different people being the leaders in the risk-taking? Because it's no longer going to necessarily be a physical um, adventure or a physical input that's going to be required. But it's going, yes. but, but it'll be more of the... Yes, you've said yes, so I don't need to continue. Yes. Well, I didn't get into the more of the details. There's physical risk-taking. I mentioned Mount Everest. Right. But even those who climb Mount Everest successfully, it's more than the physical. There's an enormous mental part. Yeah. But there's also the mental side of risk-taking. Albert Einstein was a mental risk-taker. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a way beyond the, the crowd uh, in 1905, <laughs> you know, and... He could have fallen on his face and just been laughed at by the entire community. But So he was an intellectual or mental risk-taker, and there are the physical risk-takers. Evil Knievel is a, a good example. Mm-hmm. And um, then there are those who combine both, you know. But um, in the 21st century... Can I get you to hold that thought? Yeah. I just need to take a quick break. We'll come back with Dr. Frank Farley and take more, talk more about this. It's, it's actually quite fascinating. Uh, risk takers, the risk taking characteristics of people who in many cases end up being politically active or active at the very top of the political um, ladder, if you will. And if they don't have the same philosophy that we have, they can become particularly irritating. So Coming up on Monday is the meeting between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. So now you're going to have two alphas, two really specific alpha males facing one another. And they're, all go- they're both going to want to have the winning headline at the end of their meeting in Helsinki. We'll talk to Dr. Frank Farley about that. And maybe we can also have enough time to ask what it is that really does drive people to be so furious at certain risk-takers like Trump. We'll come back. This is Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. One of the most respected and experienced broadcasters in the industry, this is the Roy Green Show. I'm on Twitter at The Roy Green Show, at The Roy Green Show. And uh, follow us there, please, and we can get into our uh, exchanges all week long. I'm on the air Saturday and Sunday, but on Twitter, we're active all week. So, at The Roy Green Show. Back to uh, Dr. Frank Farley, and this is really quite fascinating. I was going to ask Frank, and I did start out by asking him about Donald Trump and the personality that we've particularly seen in the last week, which drives some people wild and drives them mad. And other people are absolutely uh, enthralled and supportive of the person that he is. It gets me thinking that some personalities, some of these risk takers that you talked about, Frank, uh, there are times in history where they, their presence is perfect. 
there are times in history where the very same person would be absolutely the wrong person to be leading. But I only have about, I have about three minutes here. So I want to ask you, on Monday, the world is going to be fixated, focused on Helsinki. It'll be Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. So you'll have these two absolute alpha males, and each one of them wants to be the global man. He wants to be the man, the the person who is the most influential and most impactful. What do you see developing when you when you have two personalities like that, and clearly they're both risk takers? What happens? Well, it's pretty worrisome, you know, <laughs> because there's positive risk-taking and negative risk-taking. And we didn't have uh, time to get into that, but that could become a key factor uh, in Helsinki. My guess is it'll be kind of... uh, uh, They'll sort of cancel each other out in the sense, you know, that that each will be pushing the envelope. Um, But I don't think a lot will come out of it. But, we, you know, we should be concerned... You know, are they going to place what parts of the world or or who or what are they going to place at risk through their discussions? And my guess is not a lot. Do you see? Uh, it'll, do you I, see? My guess is it'll sort of be loggerheads, as you say, between two alpha males. Yeah. And it'll devolve into more the personal side, the way it was with uh, the, the North Korean uh, face-off. Do you? I was going to ask you, do you think there's going to be the buddy-buddy uh, clap on the shoulder, great to see you, he's my friend, he's my buddy, we're going to get along great now, or will it be more, is it going to be a more cautious situation? And if you were, to, if you were, going to, if you were a betting man and you had to bet on the alpha personality of both of them, which one would be the more alpha than the other? Oh my gosh! I I just don't know. Not a fair question. Honestly, I I do not. But I would guess that it will end up to a significant extent the buddy, buddy. Like we idea. saw in Singapore. Like Singapore. Yeah, but yeah. what they're holding uh, the cards that they have behind their backs are the ones that we need to be concerned about. I I would think so. Okay, yes. Frank. Uh, I really appreciate as always the time. This has been fascinating. Thank you. You're welcome. Great talking to you. Dr. Frank Farley, psychologist, Temple University, past president of the American Psychological Association. So maybe as we look at Trump and we look at Putin and we look at others who are in a leadership position, are they risk takers? I want to ask Frank one day about the people who are the manipulators who then become a person in a position of power. When we come back, a lot of talk about the province of Ontario moving back to 1998 as far as the sex ed curriculum is concerned. We'll be talking with Michael Zwagstra, Manitoba high school teacher and co-author of What's Wrong with Our Schools and How We Can Fix Them.